Hello and welcome to Autoholics Anonymous by the Autoholic. I'm Stephen. And I'm Ryan. And we're back again. And Ryan, I just saw you. Yeah, and you're going to see me again this weekend. This is unusual. A lot of the Autoholic get-togethers uh, for the month of, well, yeah, month of July. And really, we, we usually do this just to stay in touch as friends and, you know, get all of our car talk out. But it's nice to do a little bit of it in person. And it helps provide us with some more content to talk about as well, I'd say. That's for sure. So you uh, you drove up on Saturday? Yeah, so I drove, uh, I drove up Saturday morning, that's right, up uh, from Connecticut, stayed over my parents, and I had both my cars at my parents' place. Uh, and the to my up. great chagrin, <laughs> Stephen Diamond chose to bring his, you know, smoke-belching diesel instead of a beautiful, sonorous Porsche 911. <laughs> Yes, and I'm actually very glad I stuck with my choice of taking the W123 up to Rhode Island because there was a lot of ridiculous traffic on the way up, and uh, and 95 is always a bear in Connecticut. Um, I will say that's one of the downfalls of Connecticut. Actually, it might be one of the worst things about Connecticut. It is that bad. I, I I totally attest to that. I will not defend it in any way. I am with you as a fellow, as a as a being from Connecticut. It's not my favorite thing. Um. So yeah. So, but at least it was a, it was a nice day uh, when there wasn't traffic and it was free, mostly in Rhode Island, because it's there's no one. How that happens? You you you're driving up the road. Everything is terrible. And right before you get into Rhode Island, there's a strip when you go past New London. Mm -hmm. And after New London and Connecticut, everything is great. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) The road opens up. It's very relaxing. You know, beautiful scenery. Yeah. This time, I think on both occasions, after, after New London, you do pass Mystic. And usually I have no problem getting by Mystic. But on both directions, coming and going... I hit traffic around Mystic, but it is the summer. You're driving kind of along the coast. There's a lot of people coming and going, going to the beaches. And I guess, you know, Mystic would probably be a very popular destination to get on a boat, to to just sightsee, walk around the town. Also, the Mystic Aquarium is there, and the parking lot looked packed when I passed. build great yachts like that beautiful uh, ship, which I'm forgetting the name of, that we were on in Brooklyn. Yes, the one that's uh, sitting here. Yeah, no, they build nice old boats there. It's a very historic neighborhood uh, and a very charming town. So good summer destination for any listeners who want to bear the the burdens of 95 (laughs) and make their way to Mystic, Connecticut. But uh, yeah, the rest of the way was was pretty good. I was up for various reasons, but uh, we got together mostly on on Sunday. and uh, yeah, we had some opportunity to to hang out and talk cars in person and uh, experience some cars. Well, you know, the interesting thing is that although we're talking cars and doing car stuff in person, we're almost so excited to do that that we forget to record or do, you know, the podcast stuff because we're just enjoying the moment, right? Yeah, we get all wrapped up in everything and then uh, we expel all of our energy on those drives that we have no more energy to actually cohesively have a conversation worthy of a podcast. Um, 
you know but maybe we don't do that anyway so <laughs> we'll leave that we'll leave that up to you to decide yeah you but, could uh, yeah. leave us a review and then tell us what we're doing <laughs> yeah leave us a leave us a review on spotify please um well needless to say i was very excited for steven to come up and get a run in my uh my porsche you know uh, as someone who's lived with the brand for so long and and we've had many experiences together in his porsche i was excited for him to check mine out and uh so that was sort of the premise of our uh, of our morning drive out to the local coffee shops in Little Compton, which were also filled with a lot of traffic. You know, we in the wintertime, I have some great driving roads around here, but in the summertime, it's a little bit trickier to actually find any spots to really, you know, enjoy the cars. So yeah, you 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 two are kind of along the coast. It's a it's a a very popular summer destination. A lot of people have summer homes there. Um, so you get an influx of people, people vacationing, and you just kind of a lot of people out on the road running, enjoying the outdoors. And it's uh, it's tough to enjoy, uh, you know, the curvy roads that you have when when there is all that that activity going on. Um, when I we will- were young, we'd probably be more irresponsible and just go fast anyway. But now that we're nice members of society, we have respect for other users of the road and and really give them give them some leeway, you know. Yeah, we've matured a bit. We have some respect. Um, but I will say that your roads also, while they are nice and curvy in a lot of areas, uh, the condition of the road is not so good. Rhode Island has very poor road condition. Certainly on the Massachusetts side, things are a little nicer, but overall, not great roads around by me. Even the highways are a little rough. Yeah, so, you know, having, I've experienced that in the past, um, and I have had my 911 up there before, um, so I, I kind of knew that, but this was a nice refresher, and this, I think the biggest thing about you and your car purchase was that you went with the comfort suspension, and that raise, that 10 millimeter raise on it, um, so it gave me an opportunity to see it in its natural habitat, and if it was the right decision for you. So what do you think after all? I know in the beginning you were all anti it, you know, Stevens, Mr. Lowe, all about appearances, you know, looks over, looks over function, form over function, and I'm, I'm more uh, function over form. Yeah, I will say my brother is more form over function, and I'm a little bit more towards function, but, uh, yeah, I don't have all the control um, there. But, uh, yeah, I take what I said back. Uh, I think your option ticking of the 10 millimeter raise was the right choice. I was very impressed uh, by how well your car took the undulations in the road and, and bumps and everything. It's, I think that if this car were stiffer, I wouldn't enjoy using it as my daily driver in this area. But because it has that little bit of the edge taken off, it just really works around here. And and the 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 honest truth of it all is, I'm not every day driving on such great fun roads in this area. So I kind of need something that's a balance that will allow me to just get those quick little moments of excitement when I can, versus make me suffer the whole time. Yeah, no, you could definitely, I think, enjoy more of your car considering the fact of of that little, the extra dampening and and the softness of the suspension. Uh, you know, 
just because you can take corners more aggressively and, and the car will be less upset by it um, and allows it to kind of stay uh, a little, not necessarily flatter through the corners, but just uh, a little bit more balanced or composed. I would the say. tires maintain more contact with the road yeah. is what it comes down to, right? Yeah. It's it, it's a well-damped car, and it's it, it makes sense for, for real daily driving. I bet in, in the UK, this suspension setup would make a lot of sense as well, because my roads remind me a little bit of, like, UK country roads. They're a bit wider, but similar type of feel. Right. No, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it was the right option for you, especially for, for daily driving and the things that you will be doing. And I didn't feel like it was – it it uh, – you uncompromised the ride by by checking that box. You know, it felt still like a sports car. Maybe felt a little bit more roll than you might with a standard suspension. But in in a way that I I kind of almost liked. You know, you kind of have it almost made it feel like more like my 996, which uh, I'm sure we'll talk about when we get the two cars together. But um, not that mine has the stock suspension, but it felt like it made any it feel like roll at this point in time. <laughs> Say that again. Or any body roll at this point in time. Right. Right. But uh, no, I, I mean, I've driven. Uh, my dad had a 718 Boxster in the past, and I thought that was a very fun car to drive. I thought it was very comfortable and, and very easy to just take around roads and and enjoy it you know, to its limit or to a limit that's not so threatening on the road, um, even to other people. And even though your car is the GTS 4.0, I think because of the suspension, it's, it allows you to still kind of get to that point. Um, and it allows for a little bit more roll so you can actually feel the car moving a little bit. And I think it's actually more uh, interactive and, and, and maybe more enjoyable from the driver's seat I, I think so too it's it's a it's a neat balance it sort of strikes the balance of the i don't know like the engaging gt car it's so not a gt car because it's really light in comparison and it feels light and it's interactive but in other ways it you know by not being so stiff and making you suffer it's just not the typical sports car experience and i read a lot of automotive journalists talking about this and that good damping doesn't need to mean stiffness mm. and this is the best example of that that i've experienced and another good one though honestly was the macan even just the base macan not on you know pasm or anything i was really impressed with that damping on the horrible roads of california also bad roads out there but it still was really fun you know roll isn't necessarily a bad thing right yeah it's it's so it definitely is a balance um and certainly if you had very smooth Audubon like roads everywhere and curvy and everything, you know, have it be stiff, have it be, you know, as flat as possible in the corners. Um, but your car left me something to aspire to get back to in, in, in my car, honestly, because I have to lift or be a little bit more careful going into corners either knowing or not knowing what the condition of the road is like on track out or coming out on the other side of it. Um, because I know that if I'm still on it and I hit a bump, I could move over. The car would shift and, and it would upset the, the, the 
track of the you know the tire um track you know you know what i'm trying to say yeah no absolutely i i actually think after we talked about this that you should go back and stick your car on you know a much higher setting and i would even consider i know this might be blasphemy to you but i would consider to forget about your summer wheels and tires and swap over some summers onto the stock wheels and just run a run a summer like that and i suspect you might re-fall in love with driving your car more often it might become something that you sort of strive to get in whereas now maybe in your mind you reserve it for a more special occasion given the constraints that it has no that's absolutely the case i, I don't know how much the tire would make a huge difference i mean as it is when i go in into the winter with my stock wheels and uh and winter tires I don't immediately notice that, ooh, this is, you know, so much softer. It's a much more comfortable ride. Um, but I certainly think the suspension uh, adjustments would certainly uh, make a big difference. And something I certainly will be talking to my uh, my designated mechanic about. <laughs> yeah, well, I wish you good luck with Milos. And we look forward <laughs> to hearing back the results on that. Um, you know, because I think, honestly, I do love everything you did to your car. And aesthetically, I think it looks the business low like that. It looks really cool. It's got a lot of presence. And every time I get into it, I'm really excited. But I think you may have compromised one of the values that I think Porsche has probably had throughout all of its history. As I reflect on like different Porsche reviews I've read over the years, talking from their classic cars to the most modern, people always talk about the damping and how they're so much better damped than other cars on the market. And it, it's like a universal thing. And, you know, you and I were talking, uh, even some of the older ones we've driven with miles on them. You know, I recently drove a, an early 70s air-cooled Targa, and I was so impressed with the suspension over bumpy roads. And especially as I got up to speed, it just had this sort of, it's almost a float but it, not in a, the bad way that you would think of a float, but it's just that the car has the ability to move where it needs to, to keep you in control. And mm. what it does in the end is it makes covering ground at speed effortless. And that's sort of been the Porsche mission since the beginning, I think from the 356 all the way till their most modern cars, except maybe like, you know, the G, the new GT3, I hear a lot of people complaining about, hey, this, this is like too much for the road. This isn't Porsche, not what they're used to, especially people who've probably driven a lot of these you know, Porsches, even the really sporty ones like the GT2 RS, which might be surprisingly, uh, you know, comfortable on the road. Yeah, no, for sure. We 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 did talk about this and I, I kind of alluded to my friend Alex's uh, G-Body uh, 911 and we were driving that in Brooklyn. I was a passenger and I was so amazed at how composed and how comfortable it was uh, driving around sh the crappy streets of Brooklyn. I mean, we were kind of in industry city around where you picked up your your car and, and just imagine driving over those roads and and not feeling like your spine was going to shatter. Or being worried because that thing has such big tires, you probably can just drive it almost normally. Exactly. Yeah. And I was I was like, wow, I kind of want my car to feel like this. <laughs> You get the idea of the Safari uh, 911s in a way. Those must be very fun. Yeah, and they definitely make a lot of sense for uh, for this kind of area, for the Northeast, I would say. For the urban assault. <laughs> exactly. They're good urban assault vehicles. Yeah. Well, 
we didn't only drive Porsches. And I think, you know, maybe we'll save some of the Porsche talk for another time because my wife was kind enough to let Stephen finally drive her 2019 Miata, which I think that Aaron also drove, by the way, and you did. Really? <laughs> yeah, I think Aaron drove I think, it. yeah, maybe he did sometime when we were at the garage. Yes, yeah. I don't know how that happens. He seems to sneak his way in to drive he these different cars. on in California, and <laughs> yeah. I didn't, and, you know. <laughs> didn't drive the Viper, though, you know, going all the way back to the beginning. Well, he wasn't even there. <laughs> wasn't there, yeah. Anyway, what'd you think of the Miata? This is a totally new experience for you. You know, the 2019 Miata was a big step forward for a Mazda. That, the ND2 had a lot more power. I think it's got almost 190 horsepower, which doesn't sound like much, but we were laughing when Karen was driving behind us and we're in the GTS coming off the line. And first, you know, albeit I'm being pretty easy on the gearbox and, you know, she slams that little Miata shifter right around. She wasn't so far behind us off the line. You know, once we got into second and I was really pushing it, I pulled away, but it, things quick. Yeah, actually, surprisingly, the only other experience I had of it uh, was when we were in California after our Viper uh, broke down and we were uh, you know, rushing to, to find a new car to get us around town. Uh, we ended up with a, a first gen ND uh, Miata um and that was fun and it was it was great for those roads uh but i had known that you kept touting how much faster this gen of the nd is and it was nice to finally experience it and uh yeah it is it is pepping you notice it it doesn't feel like a slouch slouch by any means um obviously it's not a, a fast car by comparison to, to other things but for what it is it, it holds its own and and as you said when we were kind of driving in tandem and uh karen was driving in her car following us it, it was surprising how well she kept up um especially if you if you know the car well and you become accustomed to it and you know how to use it uh you can use it to your advantage it's almost like me in the w123 it's not a fast car but i know the car so well that i know how to take corners in order to keep up with things that I shouldn't normally be able to keep up with. I remember vividly, uh, just as an aside, when you, Mike, and I were driving up, uh, we did like a drive one day, you in the W123, I had my D2 S8, yeah. and Mike had his E39 M5, and you were leading the way, and I, like I had to work to keep up with you on these back roads, and, and that S8 was a, a fast car, way faster than your W123, to be sure. And we kind of left Mike in the distance somehow. <laughs> we'll have to ask him about that when we see him in Maine. Well, we'll see if it's the same story uh, this coming weekend when we're all together. <laughs> Still, uh, well, this this time it'll be Porsche, Porsche, BMW. But he he'll he'll have stuck with the BMW clan. Yes, but it, it, I feel like it's it's very much the same principle in the the Miata. You know, you kind of wait it up, you send it into the corner, and you use that momentum. The nice thing about this one is that it does have a little bit more power to kind of get you through it. Um, and so it's a fun car. We talked about damping and, and you know, your car has very complex suspension and and you can tell when you're driving it or as a passenger. The Miata, on the other hand, does not. And but it takes the, the bumps surprisingly well for for what it is. Just it has a lot of travel so that it's able to kind of absorb some of that impact 
uh, and stay on its track. Um, and it, it can get a little dicey sometimes in the corner, certainly uh, depending on what gear you're in and, and the RPMs and everything. But it's a, it's a lively thing, and I think that extra bit of horsepower helps uh, liven it up. So I have two comments on on what you just said. One, did you notice um, where all the speed happens? Meaning uh, in the, the power or like physically in the corner? No, like in the power band of the car. Uh, oh, um, I would say just before 3000 RPM or so. So there's uh, I, there are like two two bumps. There's one, you have a little bit of torque. But then yeah. there's this rush up towards red line, and right. it, it's not like a really fast car, but somehow it feels a little hectic and like wild the way that it jumps up the revs really quickly, right, as you get to the top of the power band. And that, I think, is the big difference between this engine and the engine in the ND1, because the ND1 had decent torque and it was had that similar 3000 RPM feel, but then it just was flat and six grand was the limit. And this you kind of get to 5,500 and it goes, boom, 7,500 and it's there in two seconds. And to that end, I noticed that that's when it feels hectic in the corners. If you're in that top little peaky bit of the power, the car is kind of lively around around the vents. Yeah, and we chatted a bit about the preferred gearing to be in in the corners because it, it doesn't have a lot of low end torque. It has some, but... Uh, you know, if you're in a higher gear, uh, it feels more composed around the corner. The only thing is you just need to know you're setting the car up right for the corner because you don't have all that power to to kind of correct yourself as you're going through it. So you might have to take it a little bit easier, but it's a way smoother uh, transition into all the corners than at the top end of a lower gear. I totally agree. I find myself maybe even entering corners a little faster in a gear at a lower RPM and just, you know, brushing on the throttle to maintain sort of a, I, I don't know, you get like a slight angle with that car when you're really pushing it and you can maintain that. Whereas if you brake hard and, and get into a, a lower gear and are trying to manipulate the front end at high RPMs, it, it's a little bit challenging. Yeah, you definitely feel the the lightness of the front end in the corner, especially when you're in a higher gear or a lower gear. I'm sorry. A lower gear. Yeah, the front end feels extremely light, and it's so susceptible to to very small changes in your throttle input. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's a delicate balance, and certainly being an owner of one, I'm sure you find that balance uh, you with some time, and I'm sure it's extremely rewarding. It's actually a little tricky for me, especially getting out of the, the Porsche. I mm -hmm. find that the throttle control is a little Japanese. It's more touchy than the linear, very you know instinctive throttle that you get in the Porsche, where it feels very long and you can just, you feel that you have access to every inch of like the, the cable that would be pulling open the throttle. And on the Miata, there's kind of this little jumpiness that you need to play around and work with that maybe is sort of like what you talked about in the Lexus, you know, your experience where it's, you know, I had this back to my 240SX where mm. I have it sort of jumpy, a little bit of a shorter travel throttle. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's something to get used to for sure and, and can be very fun, uh, especially if you're, you're, you feel into it and, and want to drive it at the limit. 
certainly be in that lower gear and then ring it out um as much as you want but i certainly wasn't doing that in your wife's car so i I took took it easy even though i was trying to keep up with you in the gts you did a pretty good job because i i took some of those corners quite fast in the gts and i looked i looked back and you were not as far as i might have expected knowing how challenging that car can be to set up for the corners yes and you do kind of have to anticipate at least you know you have the power uh, advantage so you have to anticipate uh to to keep up you know to make sure you're in in the the best gear possible um but yeah it was a fun car i thought the the transmission was simple you know some sometimes the gear changes can be a little tricky i did actually one time coming out of a corner i i couldn't find fourth and i was kind of grinding fourth which i thought was odd i don't know if you've ever experienced that but it doesn't like it has a little bit of slack in the drivetrain, so mm-hmm. the Porsche is always sort of on it. You feel like it's easy to shift even at redline, mm-hmm. but the Miata reminds me a little bit about like some BMWs I've had in the past, where you have the whole when you have the whole car under tension, sometimes it doesn't want to shift, and you have to be very, you kind of have to wait till you have the car out of tension to shift it. Yeah, um, but it, yeah, I, I thought heel towing like was was pretty simple in that. Um, the shifting felt nice. The the steering felt felt pretty connected and, and nice and light, but but communicative. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's a great package of a car. So what do you like better? We're t- we experienced two really far ends of the spectrum, and I'm not talking about these cars in specific. But what do you think is the better essence of a sports car? Do you like the concept of really little tire, very lightweight? um you know flexiness and and sort of the the dance that you get with something like a miata or do you prefer the locked down precision of a porsche right so but even if you took a you know a a closer in price or or, you know speed example compare you know that miata to like a 986 boxster the boxster is a way different feel uh you know car even though they're similar speed so on and so forth what you know, realm do you like more? What do you identify more as a sports car? I think it's tricky because I obviously, being a car person, I appreciate both for what they are and do enjoy them. If I had to choose one, I would probably actually say the more locked down kind of Porsche feel, especially for an all around occasion. Um, If I only had one car, you know, I would prefer something more like that Um, because I think it is, very satisfying to be connected and just feel the performance and and uh how well the car performs just through the corners and everything the miatas are you know those types of cars the 986 and the miata you know they're fun but i feel like they get very tiring after a long period of time like you need a break from it because they do feel a little bit more um I feel like you use more of your own energy in the car. Absolutely. It's it's a more, you have to work the Hard. car a little bit more than you do in something like a Porsche. Right. Which is extremely rewarding in short bursts. But if that's all the time, I, I think that could be a bit tiring. And, and certainly with the Miata, you have a slight performance deficiency where it's fun. But at some point, you're going to want a little bit more power, just a little bit more something behind it. It's an, 
interesting. It's an interesting take. I, I don't know where I stand on on the spectrum. Uh, I asked you the question because I think about Chris Harris, you know, a car reviewer who I really appreciate his perspective. I, I think he takes a really great take on a lot of cars. But I was a little bit disappointed with how um, cross he was with the Miata experience. You know, he did a whole video on how he hates Miatas. I don't know if, if you ever saw it, but. Yeah. And he, he leans into a lot of the things that we talked about, you know, sort of the deficiency in steering feel, the inputs just being less perfect than other sports cars. But I guess I, you know, with with the reality of most roads, it depends on what driving you have access to, right? And as a daily driver, there's no, I would choose the Porsche every day over. But if you don't have access to really good roads, and this is your special occasion car, and you want something that makes you feel a part of the action, I could make a very compelling case that these very lightweight, lower power cars like the Miata can offer more thrills. You know, I, I you, you really feel everything in that car. Mm-hmm. And even if it's a little less perfect, there's a lot to be said for that. And I think maybe it reminds me more of a vintage car driving experience. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think even if you don't have curvy, super curvy roads, I think it just makes driving fun in general, you know, in that car. And and so it it certainly helps that it's a convertible. You know, I don't I would never consider the RF version of them. It makes no sense in that car. Right. (laughs) The whole thing is about having the top down. Right, and and adding that extra weight of of like the hard top and everything, I I don't think it makes sense. It looks cool, but I hate the way it looks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but yeah, no, certainly. I mean, I think the seven eighteen base box there that my dad had, I think, was a good middle ground between the two, and I'm sure other boxsters and and kind of other. I would say maybe slightly the Z4 that we rented in California falls somewhat in that. It's a little bit heavier and things, but um, but it's a, just a good amount of fun where it's it's uh, a little bit more powerful, has a little bit more character, a little bit more grunt behind it, but it isn't the highest performance model. It's not top of the line, so you still feel the car moving a little bit. It's still very attainable it's you're still very connected to it and a part of the experience of driving it and i think that's a good balance that i could live with every day for me uh i think everyday car is a really different conversation than a special occasion car and every day i i get it you know anything a little bit more comfortable and with a little bit you know more sophistication is is better to deal with than the miata but I definitely uh, would not choose a BMW, any modern BMW as my special occasion car. Mm. I think that that is definitely right in the middle between like the two spectrums in the Miata and the Porsche that we talk about. And I would much rather be on one of those spectrums for the special occasion. You know, I I think you want to be way out there somewhere and just get that fizz, right? And look, I have that E36 convertible Mm -hmm. and that gives me a fizz but I think it's more of a vintage car fizz than, than you know, all-out performance. The steering is not as engaging as the Miata. It's, it rolls a lot. It, it crashes. The damping is not sophisticated like the Porsche. But 
it's fun is if each car you stick four people in it and you know the top's like really big and open and so there's another level of thrill in that car but it it, it wouldn't it definitely wouldn't tick the only sports car box for me right it doesn't do quite enough yeah it, and that's the interesting compromise i think about like an m2 versus mm. mike Heyman, you know and that's what you talked about in the beginning about the Cayman being better damped and more comfortable and more forgiving on those surfaces. I think it makes a really good case to move away from something like the M2, which is uh, more compromised from the sporting perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. I mean, uh, depending on the gen of M2 and everything you get, you do have some flexibility in terms of making a little bit more road focused or or track focused in that sense but uh but yeah no i think your car especially with the spec you have and and i would love to drive one without the the suspension option that you have you've driven you test drove one before right with this or no i've not actually it was a bold move i hadn't had an i didn't have any experience before i did it but i would i would love to drive a spasm you you've driven a spasm that's when you were in atlanta must have been yeah again that but that was uh track difficult yeah, we we're like autocross that's like exactly you know what you want um yeah you'll just have to make some friends at your next uh porsche club event or coffee uh cars and coffee and chat up other gts 4.0 owners and then see if you can uh, get a ride in their car i'm the only local guy with the plus 10 suspension everybody's all on a campaign that you know it's pretty lame to do that (laughs) (laughs) well maybe you should be giving them a ride and then they'll be questioning their choices i think you might be right Stephen. you might be on to something yeah i think uh i don't know if you want to get into it here or maybe when we get the porsches together but i think one other big takeaway from experiencing your car was the difference between gts in the cayman versus gts in the 911 and it gave me a lot to reflect on in terms of my dad's 991 gts um and you know i felt like gts in one case to the other is not equivalent tell us a little bit about that i mean when we talk about your 911 it's going to be a different thing right so this is this is an interesting comparison yeah, I mean, uh, I would just say the the 911. My dad has a 991 GTS cab. Um, it's uh, it's a whole another level of theater and and just harshness to it. Uh, and I don't know if it's just because it's a bigger, heavier car, or they really make the GTS and the 911 a step above because it is the 911. Uh, and it's going to be compared to the GT3 and 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 everything else and sit between the Carrera S and, um, you know, and the GT3. But your car was very easy to to shift. It, it wasn't uh, hard to modulate, to make it smooth. Uh, it was good that I have had some experience with my dad's GTS to, to know what how it could feel like. And there were some similarities, but um, one kind of metaphor or thing i alluded to in in comparing them was i normally drive my dad's car in comfort if i'm not on the highway and i refuse to drive it in sport on the roads because the engagement of the throttle and the clutch is way too sharp and too aggressive for just bopping around town you're going to stop signs all the time stop go stop go 
it's just not enjoyable um, and you have to think more and it's just not worth it. Whereas, you know, I had the option to, to, to do that on your car too. And even going into Sport Plus, which that's another thing, you use Sport Plus way more in your car than any other car. I would never, I would never touch Sport Plus on the road with many Me other. Right. Um, but surprisingly in the Cayman, it's not, you know, above and beyond what would be acceptable for road use. Um, and yeah, even in, in just sport mode, it was still easy to, to manage and it, the, the clutch and everything. And it was enjoyable for the road. Um, so that really took me aback. Uh, and I was really pleasantly surprised by that. But I wasn't expecting that. It's interesting that you, the guy with like the harshest, most intense 996, are really into the softer, more um, approachable car when it comes to these modern Porsches. Well, it's it's you know funny when I when I took over ownership of the 996, I, I wanted to turn it into a street car. It was a track car. I wanted it to not be a track car anymore, and somehow through my brother's doing, it became a little bit more like. A track car again uh and he you know he slammed it and did all these things without my approval um <laughs> but uh you know and i want to get it back to that but i, I it was gonna be like my daily driver because i wanted to put kind of tuck the mercedes away for a time give it a rest um it's rusting quite a bit and and you know i don't drive it in the winter anymore but the porsche like you said is now based on the condition it's in is my special occasion car where it has to be very specific conditions where i feel the want the desire to drive it because for any just errand driving around town doing this and that like i don't want to drive it it's more stress than it is enjoyable especially around here in the northeast where you got you know steep uh ramps into parking lots or bumps and and just other drivers and things like that but um but yeah but i i would love for it to be something more like your car and that's part of the reason why i love the w123 so much is that it is just so effortless you don't have to think about anything and again to bring a little back full circle why i was so happy i brought it up this weekend i was in providence i was driving around the city i valet parked it and I didn't have to think about it. I was bringing a friend along. Uh, I didn't have to worry about the bumps, shifting gears, in traffic, everything. It's just uh, you just cruise and you're comfortable. And that's uh, that's all I really want most of the time. Well, to tell you the truth, Stephen, I think you've got a pretty darn good two-car solution. It is. You could you could argue that it's okay for the 996 to be the way it is because I have the complete opposite in the W123. Um, but I don't know. I would like a little bit more balance between the two and and feel more comfortable driving the 996 uh, on on just regular occasions. I refuse to drive it in Manhattan. I refuse to bring it into the city. Um, Under the and, current conditions, it would be insufferable. Oh intolerable it would be i think the car would snap in half i don't know like uh just to, to to mention on my drive back to to manhattan or to the city this weekend i i made the mistake of taking 95 all the way down which if anyone does take the merit even if it adds 15 20 minutes to your time just take it <laughs> just take it i agree <laughs> um 
yeah, I, I told myself I'll stay on 95 because I'm already on 95. It makes logical sense. It was the wrong choice. I love that you go through these same trials and tribulations that I've been through on the drive back down to New York. You talk yourself one way, well, the Merit should be nicer, but Google says it's going to be more traffic. I don't think I want to go on the Merit, so I'll stay on 95. It'll be great. And then there's like fucking road work. It's terrible. There's like lanes that are like dug out. I don't yeah. know if you experienced that on this drive. Yeah, it was horrendous. I, I mean, 95 in terms of condition gets way worse once you actually hit the New York border. Um, but then you just got crazy drivers, uh, traffic, terrible road conditions. And in the 911, I think I would have to be in like the right lane going the speed limit, which is 55, just to, to look out for all these bumps. And you just have to constantly be looking at the road and scanning, looking for potholes and things to avoid. Whereas in the W123, even in that car, some of them hurt me from the inside and hurt like I was hurting for the car having to go over them, which takes a lot for me to feel that in the in, in that car because it's all that suspension travel, the huge tires. Yeah, it's well, for bumps, you know, next weekend or this coming weekend, we're going to get up to Maine with our buddy Mike Venditti, who who you guys have all heard before and take these cars out to where they really will shine. And I think we'll get to sort of expand a little bit more on the topic that we've been talking about tonight, which is what makes the best sports car or, you know, we, we've all got three different expressions of our sort of special car. And it'll be interesting to talk and compare and contrast a little bit about which of those gives us the best thrill when we have the opportunity to take them out to those roads. And I'm really excited as I haven't yet had my 911, my 911, my Cayman <laughs> yeah. on, uh, you know, really epic roads, right? I've been I've been driving around locally mostly. I was back and forth in New York City, you know, not not ideal conditions over these first 2000 miles, which I hit 2000 miles today. And with 2000 miles, I got a nice present from the Porsche, which was engine control unit uh, problem. Driving is okay, but see the dealer. So I'm gonna have to run over to the dealer tomorrow to make sure I'm all prepped for this this weekend's drive. But nonetheless, I think uh, we'll have a good time and, you know, get get the chance to really debate about that. Yeah, it'll be a good special occasion and a special occasion. I'm happy to take my 996 on. Absolutely, man. Well, listen, I think with that, we can call it for today and uh, we'll we'll be back with you guys next week with some uh, with some news about loud noises from uh, E60 exhausts (laughs) from a few flat sixes and a, a V10. Yeah. I think I'll have the quietest car there. I think you will. (laughs) All right, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Stephen. Night.